right, let's do it. If you got a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to be today. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. Uh, you can get one after the service right here or back in the next step room right afterwards. Or if you have a mobile device and you don't have a Bible app on your phone, go to corechurch.com. You can download one there. I read out of the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 8. And if you are new, uh, or if you came on the arm of a friend, after the service, Laura and I are going to be back in the next step room, and I would love to meet you, and I would just love to say hi to you and, and get a chance to, to uh, know your story a little bit more about who you are. We are in our um, Summer of Sabbath series that we've been doing since we started the summer in June. We're wrapping it up in the next couple of weeks, and the Summer of Sabbath is all about saying yes to rest. Let's say that together. Say yes to rest. Turn to somebody next to you, say, you look tired, you need rest. Say yes to rest, all right? But not now, in about 30 minutes, okay? And if I get amped up with the Holy Spirit in about 45, so however that works out today. But saying yes to rest and this summer Sabbath idea was born out of this idea of saying yes to faith, family, and friends that the Sabbath, we as Christians a lot of times think of it as church attendance. Well, that's what the Sabbath is. I go to church on Sunday, but it's so much more than that. In fact, the very first series I preached about that, you can go back and listen to the podcast on that, but it's really about faith, family, and friends. How many of you are busy? Like, just getting here today was a nightmare, trying to get here. There's just, you can't run in, it's a badge of courage, isn't it? How you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. You know, we need to just stop saying that. We just need to unbusy ourselves. Like, you're as busy as you want to be. So, so what I think we have to do, and this was born out of my own frustration of just being too busy, is what if we took Sunday back? Like, what if we took back its intended purpose of saying no to everything else and saying yes to faith and to family and to friends? I got to say yes to coming to church. I'm going to say yes to faith and being in the house of God and hanging out with God's people. This isn't so bad. I mean, the person next to you, well, maybe not the person next to you, but there are people here that you would like if you were to sit by them. Uh, but hey, don't look at that person right now. Just be cool with it. But after church, you can talk to people and get to know people. It's, it's a great place to come and hear the word of God, sing. Have you not been encouraged already today? Have you not been encouraged already? I know I have. Saying yes to family. Man, how many times do we shut our kids down or our spouse down or our parents down? Yeah, hey, we'll get, hey we're going to do that. Hey, we, just, we need to stop and just spend some time. You know what I'm doing today? Fried chicken. I'm having some homemade fried chicken. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to the food that was served at the Last Supper, fried chicken. That's the gospel according to Brad right there. But say yes to that. Say yes to friends. Just what, what if on a Sunday you said, yeah, maybe we can hang out with some friends? So that's kind of the idea uh, behind what we've been doing. And so this series that we're going into is called Welcome to the Neighborhood. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about Welcome to the, to the Neighborhood. In fact, next Sunday, we're actually going to go out in the neighborhood. We do something we call Adopt-A-Block, where we go out into the neighborhoods, and it's real simple, it's real easy, it's painless. But next Sunday, when you come, after the service, you can go back to a table. On your way out, you're going to get uh, a stack of door hangers, you go out in the neighborhood, it takes less than 15 minutes, and then you grab a stack for your own neighborhood. So we go to the neighborhood around our church, go to the neighborhood um, in your own uh, community, wherever it is that you live, hand out these door hangers, because our playlist series is coming up in a few weeks in our anniversary. We're going to be four years old together, 16 years of history. Let's give God some praise for that. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff. Uh, and so... Next week, uh, be here for that. Let's stand, Acts chapter 8. Uh, it is in the New Testament, the book of Acts. If you're new to church, 
Let me give you a little uh, update on what this is. The book of Acts was written um, about the early church. They, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to heaven, they started the local church. What we're doing today, they started it 2,000 years ago, and they started meeting. And this is the history and the story of that written by this guy named Luke, who was a follower of Jesus. And so he tells a story um, about one of the disciples, and the disciples have been going out and, and spreading the gospel. At this point, the church was under severe persecution. But we pick up in Acts chapter 8. Let's go to verse 26. Verse 26. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And Philip, the guy in this story, was one of the disciples who got to do life with Jesus. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake of the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Now seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So let me, let me just stop real quick here. So he's not, they didn't have this New Testament, okay? A lot of people think that they, they did not have this. What they had was the Old Testament. And so this guy's got the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet. And so he's reading about the prophet Isaiah, okay? And it says this in verse 31. The man replied, or Philip said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. Now let me preface this part of the scripture. If you're new to church, he's, gonna, he's reading from the book of Isaiah, and it's actually talking in Isaiah. It's a prophecy about Jesus who is going to be coming in a few hundred years. It says this about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was this prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so, beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for this house of worship. And I pray in these few moments that we have that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. And church, what I'd like for you to do in this moment, um, just to yourself, is pray for those around you. Um, just that they may know Jesus and they may not. But there are people here today that don't know the name of Jesus. And there's people here today that are hurting. There's people who are followers of Jesus that are struggling in that relationship. And, and they just need to hear from God today. And I believe as we pray for one another that God's going to help all of us today, to walk out of here encouraged. And then pray for me as your pastor that I'll just be faithful to what God wants us to hear today through his Holy Spirit. And if you're ready to hear from the Lord today, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. Well, you may be seated. This past week, uh, my daughter Sky and I both became seniors. Yeah, uh, she became a senior in high school. I became a senior member of society, and uh, we we celebrated together. But I had I had my birthday this week, and uh, if you didn't get in on that, by the way, with the gift cards and things like that, just see me in the next step room after service. I'll take whatever you got. I'll even have an orange bucket, and we'll take a second offering for me. So you know, that's fine. But uh, I I love shoes. 
And uh, Daniel Surratt, who's our worship leader, and his wife Di know, and the staff knows how much I love shoes. And so he got me a brand new pair of shoes for my birthday that I am sporting today. These are sweet. These are, I, I love shoes. So when I opened that box and I saw it was a box of shoes, I was like, there better be shoes in this shoe box. It better not be some prank and it's got Geritol or something stupid like some old man joke. I don't need that. And they were these sweet shoes. I love shoes. And I'm always looking for the hottest shoe, the newest shoe, what's, what looks good. There's been a lot of pretty cool shoes over the years, a lot of hot shoes. Like every three or four years, there's a shoe that everybody's wearing, like Crocs. Anybody remember Crocs? How many of you had a pair of Crocs back in the day? Everybody had Crocs, okay? The Croc was the shoe, man. That was the shoe to have. And then after Crocs, then it was Vans. Man, everybody was wearing Vans. Vans are cool. They're still cool. I wore those in high school. Man, they're cool today. And then, and then came along uh, everybody who wanted to be socially conscious, and they started wearing Toms. You know, I'm saving the world one pair of shoes at a time. So you just walk around and look at me. I'm such a good justice person right now. I care about the world. <laughs> Toms. Everybody had a, a pair of Toms. Then it was Chucks. Man, Chucks are still cool. I remember having a pair of Chucks. I, when, when, now, back in the day, this is to show you how I uh, became a senior. Back in the day, I remember every school year, at the start of the school year, I used to get to go to the mall with my, with my mom, and we would pick out my pair of Chucks. And they had only three colors back in the day, red, black, and white. And, and you could got your choice between high top or low top. That was it. We had three channels on our TVs and three pairs of Chucks to choose from. That was it. That's how old I am. Well, now the hottest shoe is this shoe called Chacos. There's the Chaco people in the house. How many of you here today own a pair of Chacos? Raise your hand. All right. The rest of you, how many of you have no clue what a Chaco is, Okay. You're like, what is that? Did they sell that at Seas Candies? What is that? Chacos? Chacos is the hot. We got a couple of Chaco models with us today. Taylor, better get up here because I want, I want you to show people what Chacos are, okay? Come on up. Because all the young people are wearing them. They're just the hottest shoe. The young people are all wearing them. So I'm going to let you see what Chacos are, okay? So this is the hottest shoe right now. Look at that, huh? Our Chaco models here. So this is the shoe that you're going to have to take a second mortgage and donate a kidney to buy. Because <laughs> they are insane how much you pay for these things. And I'm not going to give them a microphone because if I ask them about Chacos, they're Chaco evangelists, okay? They are out to spread the good news of Chacos, yes. Chacos will save your soul, hallelujah. S-O-L-E, save your soul. That's what it'll do. I mean, if you ask a Chaco person, they love these shoes so much, they're like, oh, I swear to you, Jesus wore Chacos. I know he did. <laughs> that's right. Chacos, it meant everybody. Thank you, ladies. Give these ladies a hand. That's beautiful. Those are nice, yeah. Like, they, they love their Chacos. I mean, they, they would, they, it's like a religion to them. If you, they say, they would tell you that if you looked up the Greek word for Chacos, the Greek word for Chacos is Christ. That's what they would tell you. Because they love these shoes. They're going to spread the good news 
about Chacos. You know, when you, when you find something that you love, when you find something that works, you, you want to tell people about it, don't you? I mean, when it works, when you love it, and, and when you talk to somebody with the Chacos, they will tell you that how it form fits to your foot, it fixes your foot, it does all this crazy, it like heals your foot. That's what they, they will tell you that. I think Jesus heals, but they say Chacos heals, and that's up to them, but they will tell you just how amazing it is. And when you find something, you just annoy your friends so much because you're like, man, this is amazing. And, and that's how I think it is supposed to be with Jesus. I think that's how it's supposed to be when it comes to our relationship with Jesus because we have the greatest message the world has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the problem right there. Because I say we have the greatest message the world has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's where every follower of Jesus should be like, yes, amen to that. Let's practice this. Say amen with me. Amen. We have the greatest message the world has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We should be excited about that. Why? Because the gospel message is all about hope, it's all about healing, it's all about peace, and it's about purpose. Think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about where you used to be and where he's taking you to. Think about how hopeless you were. Think about the healing that your soul desperately needed. You'd hurt a lot of people. You'd hurt yourself. You had a lot of sin and bondage and things you couldn't get free from. And then Jesus stepped into your world and he wiped it all out. Wiped it out. Your life was in chaos. And whenever your life falls into chaos now as a follower of Jesus, you run to him and you find peace. Purpose? Purpose? Where was your life before Jesus? You thought you had it together, and you realized, I didn't, right? You found purpose. Your life suddenly found meaning. That's the gospel. That's the message that he's called us to proclaim, and, and that's something we should be excited about. I, I've written this, and I put it onto my door. I'd like for you, to, if you're taking notes, to write this down. And this is something I have on my door. It's, it's on my door and I gave it to every one of our staff members, and I just have it up just so I can look at it every day and, and remember this, that, that my mission, my mission, and the mission of the church is to help people find hope, healing, peace, and purpose in Jesus. My mission and the mission of the church is to help people to find hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And I really truly believe that all of us who call upon the name of Jesus, all of us who say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe deep down inside every single one of us, we believe that to just our, the very essence of who we are. I mean, it's just like, man, absolutely. And I believe we all desperately want to share that message with others but we don't know how or we're just freaked out about sharing that message. We want to share it, but it's so hard to share that. But, but what I wonder is if we've made it more difficult than it's supposed to be. We've made sharing Jesus incredibly difficult and overwhelming to the point that none of us very rarely, if ever, share our faith. 
and it's not supposed to be there. What if sharing about Jesus was as easy as sharing about Chacos? I, I think it can be. And I, I want to show you today a simple and easy way and that I believe is very biblical and I believe is the way in which Jesus intended for us to share our faith. So let's go back to the text, Acts chapter 8, and it says this. Uh, Philip, is, he just shows us this easy way to share our faith. Acts 8, 26. 8, 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down what? Go south down what? The desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So the verse before this, if you were to look up at the verse before this, Phil's buddies, Pete and John, they got to go home. The Lord spoke to them. They got to go home to Jerusalem. But, but Philip, he gets sent down this desert road. Do you, do you ever feel like God has sent you down a desert road? Like everybody around you, one person, Buddy Davis. If you don't know Buddy, <laughs> Buddy Davis testifying in the house. Way to go, Buddy. Do you, let's all say, do, you, do you ever feel like God has sent you down a desert road? Yes. Yeah. We've all been down that desert road. Like everybody else has got theirs and you're not getting yours. Like they're moving into the new house in the beautiful neighborhood and you're stuck in that neighborhood you're in. You ever feel that way? Like you're just stuck in that neighborhood. You're like, man, if that my neighbor, it, like in our neighborhood, we've got one guy in our neighborhood. His house looks like a used car lot. And I'm like, oh, I think we're going to have to get out of this neighborhood in about five years. I just feel stuck. We're on this desert road. Maybe it's at work. You ever, maybe you think about, think about work. I'm sorry. I don't mean to have you think about work. You're in the house of God. You're trying to get some peace right now. But think about work tomorrow. How many of you tomorrow visualize work as a desert road? The person you work with, the boss you have, the money you're making, the whatever. The, there's no advancement. There's no opportunity. Some of you started school, you went back to, to college, or you started college for the first time, or you uh, went back to high school or middle school, and you went into some classes this week, and you're like, sat down, and you're like, really? Really? This is my teacher? This is who I got stuck with? I, none of my friends are in this class? Are you kidding me? I got this professor? Man, I had to get the hardest class. I had to talk to somebody that's going back to OSU, and she was telling me that she had like a 7.30 a.m., uh, algebra class. Man, now that's the desert road right there, people. You're, like, parents, if you, if you have a kid on a ball team, you got a kid on a ball team, and you, <laughs> they don't win, like their team's terrible. You ever feel like you're on a desert road with your kid's ball team? You look over and you're like, next week I'm wearing their team's jersey and I'm sitting with their parents just so I know what it feels like to win. Like, you're the one person that loves the participation trophy and the fact that they don't keep score because your team's getting killed every week. We all have this feeling, and this is, so Philip is, is going down this, this desert road. But what if, what if like Philip, God puts you there intentionally on purpose? What if he did it on purpose? I'd like for you to write this down if you're taking notes. God has placed me in this place on purpose for a purpose. God has placed me in this place on purpose for a purpose. God has placed me in this neighborhood on purpose for a purpose. God has placed me in this job on purpose for a purpose. God has placed me in this school, in this classroom, on purpose, for a purpose. God has placed me on this ball team, even though we're not winning a game. 
on purpose, for a purpose. You are there for a purpose. See, Philip Philip is being led down this desert road, and he's got this divine appointment that's waiting for him. Somebody is searching for hope, for healing, for peace, and for purpose. Like, what, what, if, what if the desert road you're on is actually leading you to somebody else's desert? What if? Could it be that you're placed there because somebody right now is in the desert? They have no hope. They have no healing. They don't have your peace. You have purpose, but they have no purpose. What if, like Philip, God has put you right there? And the problem is we look around and we think everybody's okay. And everybody's not okay. One viewing of the Olympics, and you know that. We know that people aren't okay. Just all the swimming thing that's been going on the past week, we know that beyond the medals, not everybody is doing okay. In fact, Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympian ever in the history of the Olympics. After the last Olympics, he crashed and burned. Many of you know his story, but he got two DUIs. His life was erect. He was smoking weed, and he's just crashed and burned his life. He looked like he had everything together, but he did not. And ESPN did a story on him about his life. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but I want to show you part of Michael Phelps' story. Watch this. For a moment, I thought it was going to be the end of my life, literally. Just because it was like the second one, how many times is he going to mess up? You know, like I was like, yeah, it'll probably just be better without me. People won't have to deal with the, the BS that I give them or the crap I put them through. I didn't really leave my room, didn't eat, didn't really sleep. I just figured that it was the best thing to do was just to end my life. Advice from longtime friend, mentor, and fellow Baltimore icon Ray Lewis lifted Phelps. I'm like, baby boy, listen to me. This is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. Don't shut down. Because if you shut down, we, we all lose. And so... To hear a younger brother say some of the things he was saying, right, about, bro, I, I, I effed up, man. I just effed up. And I'm like, really? Really? Okay, let me give you an example of what, what you say messing up is. And so for me, I had to go back into some of my dark days and, and, and things that wasn't pretty on my side. And so what we started to reinstall in him was, let me show you who you are. I want to expose to you really who you are. Phelps also buried himself in a book Ray Lewis had given him, The Purpose Driven Life. It's turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet. Second, third day he got in and he called me. He was like, I, man, this book is crazy. He was like, the things that's going on, oh my gosh, my brain is... Bro, I'm, 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 I cannot thank you freaking enough, man. Like, you saved my life. And so that was the moment when I started to hear he coming out of it. He, he, will, he will make it. And then he started calling me with things he was reading from the book. And I was like, it's sinking in. For a long time, I thought I was the bring the family back together, baby. 
my therapist said, well, you failed. How does that feel? And then I read this and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think it helped me when I was in a place where I needed the most help. So no matter how decorated a person is, no matter what position they hold at your workplace, no matter what house they're in, the car they pull up in, what their kids wear on the ball team, what the person's phone is they pull out of their pocket, no matter how decorated a person is, deep inside, every single person has the same thing in common. We are all looking and desperately want hope, healing, peace, and purpose. Every person in this place, you can act like you don't, you can put on a facade, but every single one of us, including this person on the stage, desperately needs hope and healing and peace and purpose. And none of us had any idea that Michael Phelps was dealing with that, that he was on the verge of suicide, that he was on a desert road. But his friend did. He had a friend. He had somebody that cared about him. Somebody knew his story. And because Ray Lewis knew Michael Phelps in a way that we don't know Michael Phelps, he stepped in in that moment and was there for him. So who's the person in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your, on that ball team that you look at and they look all decorated, but you look at them maybe a little bit differently now. You, maybe when you go to work tomorrow or you're on the ball field classroom, wherever you are, or you drive home today, and you see, maybe you'll see your neighbor just a little bit differently. Like, hey, wow, even though they have all that, if they don't have Jesus, they don't have hope. If they don't have Jesus, they have no healing. If they don't have Jesus, they have no peace. And if they don't have Jesus, they have no purpose. Some of you today, you don't have Jesus, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've just described you. You're like, how do you know me? Because I was you. Because I was that guy that had no hope. I was that guy who had a train wreck and needed healing desperately for my soul. I was that guy who needed peace when my world was turned upside down. I was that guy that needed direction and purpose and meaning. I was that guy. And many men and women here today have found those things. And God is calling us, like he did Philip, to go out and to take that message to the desert road. Embrace the desert road. Turn to somebody right now and tell them, embrace your desert road. Embrace your desert road. Somebody needs to tweet that right now. Somebody needs to Facebook that right now. Embrace your desert road. And just put it on there that way so your friends go, what are you talking about? And then, bam, you hit them with the gospel. So it says this in verse 29, God led Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch. And it says this in verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, what? What did he say to Philip? He said, what? Go. He said, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip in this moment, and I was thinking about this app right now that is just the rage, Pokemon Go. Uh, how many of you would be 
admit you have Pokemon Go on your phone right now? Yeah, you're all lying. It's the most downloaded app in history. You're lying, y'all. This is church. You can't be lying like that in church. Did you guys know that I don't, I don't have the app, but it's, so, it's the most downloaded app in history. 30 million plus people have downloaded this thing. And I don't know a lot about it, so if you're a pokey person, um, whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that, you need to get saved if you're a pokey person. Uh, but uh, it, it, we are a pokey stop. Now, if you have the game, you know that. A pokey stop, I don't even know really what that means. I don't think a church should be a pokey stop, personally. I think something about that sounds very wrong. First person told me, hey, did you guys know you're a pokey stop? Oh, no, we are not in Jesus' name. This is the house of the Lord. They're like, no, 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 it's a Pokemon Go. Oh, okay. I watch people pull in and out of our parking lot five, six times a day, pull up to our front doors, catch whatever it is they're trying to catch, and pull off and go. I've seen people come through our prayer trail, and I'm like, that's so cool. People are using our prayer trail. No, they're not. They're going through our prayer trail trying to catch Pokemon. We were down in Antlers, Oklahoma. You probably never heard of that place. Antlers, Oklahoma. Nothing's in Antlers. Oh, yes, there is. My kids were like, Dad, stop. It's a pokey stop. Even in Antlers? I'm like, I ain't stopping for no pokey stop. And Laura's like, yes, you are going to stop. I'm like, it's ridiculous. My kids are 18 and 17. I'm like, it's time for you to grow up and be adults. Put the pokey stop away and let's get going. But they did. They just, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if they had an app like that for sharing your faith? Like, it would be like a Holy Mon Go app, you know? And <laughs> somebody invent that, the Holy Mon Go app. And... Wouldn't it, be just, wouldn't it just be awesome if it was that obvious? Like you could pull it out and you turn it on. You could walk around the office and you're like, oh, hey, Bill, how you doing, man? And you made it. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy and you could like just swipe up? And Bill's like, what are you trying to do? Trying to get you saved, man. I'm trying to get you saved. I'm trying to get you saved. <laughs> Boom, gotcha. Gotcha. It'd be great. Man, that'd be just great if it was that easy, but, but it's not. Or is it? I think we've made it a lot more difficult than we're supposed to be making it. When God spoke, when the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip in this instance, we don't know if it was an audible voice or not, but the chances of it being an audible voice, it wasn't, we don't believe it to be an audible voice. Really, what happened in this moment wasn't like the Holy Spirit said, go walk by the carriage. No, it wasn't like that at all. What it is, is it was just an impression he had. It was a tap on the shoulder. So Philip is going about his business. He's sensitive to God in this moment, and he gets this nudge that maybe he should go over and talk to this guy. This is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He prompts us. He, he nudges us. He, he taps us on the shoulder, and he says, go. I want you to talk to that person. I just want you to talk to him. You don't have to share the gospel with them, but just go talk to them. God nudges us, and the only way you can understand the nudge of the Holy Spirit is if you're a follower of Jesus and if you're praying and asking God to do that for you. Because Philip was open to that. He's listening to God. He's following after God. He's seeking God. And so God taps him on the shoulder. Could God do that for you? Yes. Yes. If you'll ask him, it'll be easy. He'll come along to you, and he will simply tap you on the shoulder and say, you need to spend some time with that person. You walk across the street, talk to your neighbor. You know that person, on the, that parent on the soccer team? You need to go over there and you just need to strike up a conversation with them. You need to sit. You need to listen. All these things that what I would call a prompt or a nudge, 
if you were to look at Matthew 28, I love in Matthew 28, the last thing that Jesus tells us is, tells his disciples is this. He says, go, go. Same instruction he gave Philip, go make disciples. In other words, when Jesus said, go make disciples, we make it way too complicated. Really what I think he was saying in that moment is better illustrated through the life of Philip. Go, walk alongside that person. Just walk alongside them. Get to know their story. Take time to care. Eliminate the phrase, I'm busy. You're never too busy to invest in people. You're never too busy to invest in people. Turn to somebody and say, you're not that busy. If you don't have time for people, you're too busy because you're not doing what you were created to do. You weren't created for a to-do list. You were created for relationship. You were created to give the gospel away. So taking time, encouraging people, getting to know their, their story. And then we see this, that Philip, he, he goes over to the eunuch who's he's reading through the book of Isaiah and and this is great. God's already speaking to him, and it says this. He hops up into the carriage with the Ethiopian eunuch, and then verse 35. Let's look at verse 35. And so this is Philip. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him, let's say this together. He told him what? The good news about Jesus. It doesn't say, and Philip said, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? It doesn't say, and Philip gave him a track. It doesn't say, and Philip introduced him to the four spiritual laws. No. Told him the good news about Jesus. Now, you might say, oh, <laughs> I'm out on that one, Brad. I, that's why I'm in church, because you know this, and you teach us, and I don't really get this, and this whole gospel of Jesus. And let me tell you what the gospel is. If you, you're like, man, I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good, and the gospel is the good news. So wherever you see it saying the good news of Jesus, it's the the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And, and this is it in a nutshell. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is, is this. God sent his son to this planet to die in our place so we wouldn't have to die in our sin. He went to the grave. He was resurrected again on the third day. God's son came back to life. And if I'll put my faith and my trust in him, if I will believe that, man, he'll forgive me, and I can be a child of God. That's the gospel. Every one of us can share that. It's not as complicated as we make it. But I think you've got to start, most of us want to jump to the gospel. We want to jump to sharing that gospel message. We want to jump to that and get to that message, and I don't think that's where we should start. And I think that's where the big miss is for most of us. It's been the miss of me for many, many years. Because I think the one thing is the essence of the gospel. And the essence of the gospel uh, is, is this, that through Jesus Christ, I can find hope, healing, peace, and purpose. So sharing the gospel is about this, coming alongside, walking with somebody, and discovering their story and figuring out like Ray Lewis did for Michael Phelps, somebody who's in a hopeless situation. 
and doing your best to help. Whatever that situation is and just trying to help them. Coming alongside and discovering somebody needs healing, like they, they have a wound. Maybe it's a relational wound or it's a sin or an addiction or, or, or something they're caught up in and, and you're there to walk with them through that. See, the gospel, the, the good news is about coming alongside somebody and discovering how their world is just in chaos and they're, they're upside down and they don't know where to turn or where to go and, and just coming into that story and helping them find some peace. It's coming alongside people who don't know where they're headed in life and what job do I take and do do this and do do that. I don't know what to do. And you help them find a little purpose. I think the gospel is not as complicated as we make it out to be. At Core Church, we simplify it this way. We give you three words, intercede, invest, invite. If you can remember those three words, I encourage you to write those down. Intercede, invest, invite. Begin with interceding, with praying. Who can I pray for? God, who, who, who's far from you? If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't know anybody far from God, the place to start is to say, God, introduce me to somebody that's far from you. Put me in front of somebody who's far from you so I can just share a little hope and a little healing, a little peace and a little purpose with them. And then invest. This is the part where you have to stop. This is the part that's going to cost you something because you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to start caring about people. That's not just a coworker, but that's a person created in the image of God. That's not just a teacher or a professor or a classmate. That's a person created in the image of God in the same way that you were created. And they deserve to know the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose that you have. We gotta start looking at our neighbor and the people on the ball team another way. We gotta start looking at them differently. Maybe that's somebody is annoying you, but maybe just maybe they're annoying you because of what's going on in their world. Because they're so jacked up and they're so messed up in life, they're taking it out on everybody else around them. And what would happen if you invested? You just stepped in and you just tried to listen a little bit. That doesn't work out every time, but many times you find out that person is going through some things, and you can be there in that moment for them. Last one is to invite. Not just invite them to church. Yeah, grab a playlist card, invite people, invite people, invite people. Bring them. This is the best place you can bring people. Invite them to the gospel. Share the good news. Hey, I don't, I don't know if this will work for you. I think it will. I, I Maybe you won't understand what I'm talking about. When you're talking to somebody, you just say, man, I, I don't know if you'll understand this, but let me tell you what God did for me. And this is kind of what, this is what I believe. You share with them the gospel. You find out where they're at, say a simple prayer with them. I think that's something we all can do. What I'd like for you to do today in the chair back in front of you is a card, and it's a prayer card. Would everybody just take that out? We're going to use that together today. There's a prayer card there. I want you to think about who are some people that you know that are far from God. And I'd like for you to write their name on there, just their first name, not their first and last name, just their first name. You might have one person, you might have five people, or you might have 10, I don't know, but write all those names down. Every person that you can think of at work, all these different environments, who is it I know that's far from God? Because right now, God is tapping you on the shoulder. If you wonder, will God speak to me, Brad? How will I know? This is how you know. Right now, God's talking to you. The devil doesn't give you that name. 
He's not wanting you to remember that name, but God taps you on the shoulder and says, this is who I want you to start praying for. So I want you to write those names down. And then I want you to write your name on there. And here in just a moment when we receive communion and uh, during our prayer time, we're going to bring those cards to our altars. We have an altar on this side and an altar on this side. What you're going to do is you're going to tear it apart, and then you're going to keep the top part, and then the bottom part you're going to bring and lay down on the altar because we as a church want to be praying for you. We want to pray for you as you go out to reach your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your classmates. So you're going to take that top half home with you. On there you can see every day at 7.14 a.m. and p.m. as a church collectively for the next two weeks, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for these people. So I want you to commit to that every morning, every evening, 7.14. You see it's based on Habakkuk 7.14. We'll read that scripture, say that that, uh, prayer together. Who is it that God's leading you to? Would you just bow your heads for a moment and let's just think about these people that God has put on your your heart. Look at that card. Look at those names. Right now, in Jesus' name, just commit them. God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. Oh, God, put me in a position where I, I can invest in their life. Help me to listen, God. Help me to listen. God, lead me to those people who are far from you. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and you're willing to make that commitment to go, to invest, and to share the good news, would you just slip up your hand right now so I can pray for you? You say, Brad, I'm committed. I'm committed to share the good news. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm scared to death, but I'm trusting God that he's going to help me. Thank you. Thank you. God, help these that are raising their hands, desire to share the good news. All heads bowed. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're like, Brad, is that really legit? The hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose could be for me? Yes. In Jesus' name, yes. You can have hope, healing, peace, and purpose. So if you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus, or maybe you made it a long time ago, but you drifted away from him, and you say, Brad, I want to come back to him. It's as simple as this. It's just saying, you know what, God? I have made a wreck of my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know it. I can see these sins that I've committed. I know the people that I've hurt. Would you forgive me in Jesus' name? Would you forgive me? We believe, God, God, that you forgive. You are the God who forgives. You're bringing forgiveness all across this place right now. Just confess your sin to him right now. What is it that you have that you need to lay down to him? Give it to him. And in Jesus' name, he forgives that sin. And it's about saying, you know what? I believe Jesus is the son of God. I'm going to follow him to the best of my ability. If that's you today, you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to him for the first time in a long time, would you just raise your hand so I know how to pray for you? I won't call you out. I won't make you come up here. I just want to know how to be praying for you. Anybody like that? Thank you. Got you in the middle here. Yes. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody in the back? In the back, I got you on the side. Back side. Yes. Thank you. Man. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you that may each person who just raised their hand, may your Holy Spirit overwhelm them and may in this moment they experience and know your hope, your healing, your peace, and your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap. Yeah.